these tools still have a tendency to hallucinate because they're machine learning and their artificial intelligence means that they could actually come up with things on their own. But that doesn't always mean that they're right. So for example, when I Googled my name originally, it said that I went to the University of Notre Dame, which I didn't. That's a hallucination at nowhere in the web. Nowhere can it get that information. That's not listed anywhere on the web. So that's when you hear the term hallucination is these tools make these items up. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We, have a we choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. I'm excited to be joined here by five-time number one best-selling author and digital leadership expert, Eric Qualman. We're at the Nielsen IQ C360 conference where we've had great speakers like Eric Qualman and comedian Trevor Noah. One of the hot topics is artificial intelligence or AI. Let's get to the elephant in the room. Is AI going to take our jobs? Well, it's great to be here. And that is a common question that I, I do receive. A lot of us receive is, is AI going to take our jobs? And my response to that is AI is not going to take your job. Someone that knows how to work with AI is going to take your job. Meaning if you can go from just a general programmer to a 10X programmer, or if you can go from someone that's posting on social media, five posts per day to 25 posts per day, then you're going to have that job. So what do I need to do? I need to start testing some of these tools right now, each and every day. So you should go out there, you should test stuff like Munch. If you're in social media, how do I cut down, break down this video of this podcast so that I don't have to manually do it. The AI will say, hey, here's five clips from that hour long interview that we can use and post on Instagram and post on TikTok. Or it might be that you use ChatGPT or Bard, Google Bard. So it's all about testing these different tools each and every day to make sure that you future-proof yourself. So again, AI is not going to take your job. Someone that knows how to work with AI is going to take your job. So great question. How can businesses leverage AI? I think inherently that's the question that all businesses should be asking themselves each and every day. Can we leverage AI more? So let's say that you're doing sales outreach and you do a lot of copy and pasting of cold email outreaches. Ask yourself, can AI do this and can AI do it better? And for a lot of instances, it can. And so maybe those first initial outreach emails is AI can actually scrub the web and help you find, here's who we should reach out to within these companies. And then also here's the email that they then craft and it goes out. And if that person responds, then the AI tool can also respond. Then at some level, then the human, the salesperson then gets involved in that conversation, but it avoids all that tedium of that upfront outreach. That's just one example. But the key is, as I stated, it's really about asking yourself as a business leader each and every day, can we use AI? Can we use AI to do this better or more efficiently? And most importantly, ask yourself, can AI, artificial intelligence, help remove friction? That means remove friction internally or externally, but also most importantly, is this eventually downstream helping remove that friction for the customer, for that client, for that partner, for their member? 
Because remember, this is what I talk about at length. This is what I just talked about on stage within digital leadership, which AI is just a component of the overall landscape. If you think about 360 from digital leadership perspective, digital leadership innovation, most innovation is about not additive things. It's about subtractive. And that subtraction is removing that friction. So the same holds true, obviously, for artificial intelligence because it's part of digital leadership. Is it removing friction for your organization? And most importantly, is it downstream removing that friction for your customer, for your client, for your partner, for your member? Now on to the second elephant in the room. Why do so many feel that AI will be the end of the human race? Well, in part, uh, they think that AI is going to be the human race, a lot to do with Hollywood. Uh, but no, there's always, when you think about Hollywood, you know, truth's always stranger than fiction. And so one of the biggest doomsday scenarios, which if you played it out in your mind, so a lot of these artificial intelligence tools require a ton of electricity, a ton of power in order to generate and, and obviously digest all this information. We're reading every book ever written. That takes a lot of wattage. And so you can see the scenario where in time, artificial intelligence might say, as it learns, wait, I need this electricity to complete this task that I've just been asked more than the city of San Francisco. So I'm going to start stealing or manipulating to get that electricity. So that's one of the most popular scenarios. Other scenarios which you start to see right away, because unfortunately there are nefarious actors out there, is that there's bad people out there that will use artificial intelligence to say, hey, can you go in and hack into the nuclear codes at said country? And so the AI then goes out and tries to execute that at a much, much more in-depth level than some individual could. And so those are some of the main concerns that people will use AI to actually fulfill tasks that aren't good or aren't beneficial for the human race. What are some current limitations of AI? Well, it still isn't conscious, so it's different than human beings. It can quickly, the brain's amazing. So it still hasn't replicated to the level that it needs to. And you can see that, just do a simple test on any of these tools, ChatGPT or BARD. One of the limitations of ChatGPT, if you're not paying for a plugin, is that it only has data up to 2021. Uh, Google's BARD is pulling real-time information, but these tools still have a tendency to hallucinate because they're machine learning and their artificial intelligence means that they can actually come up with things on their own, but that doesn't always mean that they're right. So for example, when I Googled my name originally, it said that I went to the University of Notre Dame, which I didn't. That's a hallucination at nowhere in the web. Nowhere can it get that information. That's not listed anywhere on the web that I went to Notre Dame. Then the next week, it said that I was a professor at Stanford University. Well, I'm a professor at Northwestern University, not at Stanford. And that is not said anywhere on the web that I'm a professor at Stanford. So that's when you hear the term hallucination is these tools make these items up. Now, that's not a big deal. A lot of these things can be used. For example, I use BARD for podcasts. So for podcasts, I might say, what are 10 great questions to ask Ryan Reynolds? If we're going to interview uh, the actor Ryan Reynolds, what are some 10 great questions I can ask Ryan Reynolds. So if one of those questions is inaccurate, that's not a big deal. I'll see it and get rid of it. What is a big deal, and this is why Google didn't want to release their tool, Bard, uh, because there's so many people that use Google, is if you type in, what's the dosage of medicine that I should give my six-year-old child? 
that's not good if it hallucinates or gives you the wrong answer. So that's why they were hesitant to release this product on the world because so many people use Google. ChatGPT, not as big a risk, right? Because they're a smaller startup. Where Google, it's a big deal. So some of some of those, those are some of the current limitations right now. And also just the processing power. You're gonna see it's crazy amount of processing power it requires today, but you're gonna see that half, you know, Moore's law, it's gonna half, half, half. It's gonna quickly, it's just like think about your flat screen TV. You can get a giant flat screen TV for like 450 bucks, a gorgeous TV, 70 inch TV, flat screen, as thin as a piece of paper today. Whereas 10 years ago, no way. One, that technology didn't exist. Or if it did, that TV would have cost $15,000. So we're going to see the same thing, that same, same hyper acceleration when it comes to artificial intelligence. So with all that background that you've shared, is AI overhyped or underhyped? It's a little of both. So in the last couple of weeks with the launch of ChatGPT, it's a moment in time that got super, super hyped ahead of our skis that you can see the promise, but some of those things aren't here yet. And so if we knew the answer on timing on a lot of any kind of technology advancements, if you know the timing of when, you'd be the rich, I would say you'd be the richest guy that ever lived, richest guy or girl that ever lived if you knew the timing. Most of us can see this stuff coming, like so mobile voting, I can see that that's gonna happen at some point in time. The question is, I don't know when. Um, and a good example of what that looks like is things are slow until they're fast, meaning look at QR codes. They come out, you know, tw 2003, quite popular. Everyone's talking about them. You'd see them on some bus stops. You'd see them on certain signage. Marketers are saying this is the next greatest thing that we can use out there. And then no one really used them. No one really adopted them. The user, they're ahead of the time. And then fast forward 17 years later, who would have guessed that a global pandemic causes these QR codes to be used? I'm sure they used one today. Almost every listener out there that's listening to this right now probably used a QR code at one point out there today. And so that's what I mean by things are slow until they're fast. And we don't know the timing. So overhyped or underhyped. Long term, I would say underhyped. Short term, we might just be early in the game. So it might be early. It might got a little ahead of our skis. And it, of course we did because it was exciting what these tools could do at ChatGPT. Uh, but in the short term, maybe a, a little overhyped. But long term, definitely underhyped. You've shared a bit of this in your prior answers. But what is the biggest challenge with AI? The biggest challenge, aside from trying to have it replicate our brain, which is very, very complex, is right now the short-term challenge is just power. It takes a lot of electricity. So the companies that will win, it's really more of a financial or like a banking problem than an innovation problem. So who's got the most capital to get these servers, to get the power, to get to what's needed out there? Now, uh, NVIDIA's was in a great position, NVIDIA, the company that produces a lot of the chips that we use for artificial intelligence. Ironically enough, they were a video gaming chip. They produce GPUs, which stands for graphical processing unit, as opposed to say a CPU, which is a computer processing unit. So it's really about the power at this moment is one of the biggest challenges and also just the safety, having the safeguards around it, which you talked about earlier, the elephant in the room about the end of the human race. And so 
it's really about how do we get these things regulated, get the right regulation in place, and also make sure that it's safe. Uh, but in the short term, it's really more of a banking issue from a business standpoint than, say, an innovation issue. Who has the capital and the cash that's needed uh, to kind of accelerate these artificial intelligent models? Why was Google caught somewhat flat-footed? Google had been investing in this technology for years, yet ChatGPT got all the hype and a large stake was acquired by Microsoft. Yeah, no, I alluded to this a little bit earlier that it's a little easier as a startup to go out there and take that risk and, and put something out in the world that might be quote unquote not ready, that has a ton of warts. And with Google, part of the one of the main reasons is because it disrupts their current business model. When you look at, they make billions and billions of dollars because you do search, you search for something and there's paid advertisements that come back as results along with what's called the organic listing. So you have the paid sponsored listings next to organic listings. So that's their entire model. That's how they make those billions of dollars. And they're basically cannibalizing their own product when they do that. Because if you go to say Google Bard and you type in a question, instead of a list of answers with sponsored listings, it comes back with the answer. Now, ironically enough, I always thought that when a IBM came out with Watson, I'd sit down with the IBM executives and tell them you should have Watson.com because this is a better, you could argue this is going to be a better tool than Google because it actually gives you the answer where Google gives you a, some answers. If, if Google gave you the answer, you'd never click on a paid ad. And so I always thought Watson could have disrupted their, their thought process was we're not a B2C company, we're B2B. So I don't know why they didn't sell that to someone else that's a B2C company, but that's a, that's a whole different story. I also thought that Facebook was going to be the disruptor because they could have social search that I care more about the 10 people in my world, in my neighborhood that have bought a new cross, crossover or crossover vehicle because they have their second child than than just random people. So I thought that with the social graph and with social search, that that is somewhere where Mark Zuckerberg should have really focused on instead of the metaverse, which was, uh, that was going off the deep end. I don't know why he did that, but I'm kind of going out a, a rat hole right now, a rabbit hole right now, but it's really just about Google didn't release it because it disrupts their entire business model. Second reason is because a lot of people within Google know the downsides of having AI that's not ready per se out there, like the, the example I gave with asking for children's dosage of medicine to take. And so that was the two main factors on why Google hadn't released it. But then ChatGPT forced their hand with all the hype around ChatGPT. Google said, okay, we have to, to release it. Um, and the godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, who had worked at Google and also the University of Toronto for the past 10 years actually quit because he didn't think that they should, in, in large part, he didn't think they should release it to the world. And it allows him to speak freely about the downsides of artificial intelligence. Personally, I'm more of an optimist. I'm more of a glass, 100% full, 50% oxygen, 50% water. But I, there are some, whenever there's new technology, there's some negative impacts. Um, and this one will have some as well. But I think net-net, it should, should be good because it'll allow us to spend more time living rather than doing. The artificial intelligence can do the doing and then we can do the living. No doubt it's going to be fascinating to watch. And as you say, we are early in the game. We've been joined today by best-selling author in digital leadership and artificial intelligence professor Eric Wallen. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. 
Oh, such an honor to be here. We could talk about this all day. And at the end of the day, it's really about what should I do right now? You should ask yourself and test this stuff and ask yourself, what can AI do for us? How can it help remove that friction both internally and most importantly downstream? How can it remove that friction for our customer, for our clients, for our members, for our partners, for those students? So it's going to be a fascinating to watch. It's going to really help us again. AI, once we get it all vetted out, it's going to help us do more living and let the AI do all the doing. So thanks again for listening to today's Super You podcast. Again, it's a podcast designed to unlock and unleash your inner superpower. And if you want to pay it forward, make sure you go post a review for the Super You podcast because what that will do, it'll allow others that aren't familiar with our podcast to discover it. And hopefully that allows them to unlock and unleash their inner superpower. So that's it for today's show. I'm your host, Equal Man, reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you. 